Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the federal government says it's offering bridge loans, not bailouts, to large companies that need help. All sectors across the economy that are finding them, themselves stretched as a result of this crisis are going to be eligible for, for credit. Uh, we are making sure that there are appropriate conditions uh, attached to that credit. The Prime Minister says governments will be held accountable if reopening measures lead to more outbreaks. I think we're all feeling pressure from Canadians to get this right. Uh, and we understand that the sacrifices we've all made for the past two months of staying home, of self-isolating, of keeping two metres distance, of not seeing parents and grandparents, could all go up in smoke if uh, we move too quickly on reopening or if uh, a given jurisdiction makes the wrong decisions. And we're just over a week away from the expiration of an agreement to keep the Canada-U.S. border closed to all but essential crossings. We believe in acting out of an abundance of caution, uh, that we believe it's very important not to squander the gains that Canadians have sacrificed so much to achieve. And we are going to be taking that prudent and careful approach when it comes to reviewing our border agreement with the United States. It's Tuesday, March the 12th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Mark. So the federal government is saying it's offering bridge loans and not bailouts to large companies. Obviously, there would be some concern, I think, on the part of Canadians to see taxpayers' dollars at a time like this going to megacorporations, as they're sometimes described, international companies, large businesses with billions of dollars in revenue. So the optics of this are important to the government, aren't they? This is huge, actually, and it's really, really interesting. Last week, I was writing about how uh, the, the relationship between government and business was changing during this pandemic. And you've talked, you've heard Justin Trudeau talk a lot about um, every day he, he or Christopher Freeland will politely correct reporters when they ask, "What are you going to do to help business?" And they say, "We're not helping business; we're helping workers, and um, we're not." Uh, we're not giving money to corporations. We're giving money to the people who work for those corporations. And that, you're you're seeing a lot of this in the commentary right now. This is the lessons of 2008. Uh, the big bailouts were, uh, that, that was a, a crisis of a very different kind. But the all the aid was directed at, you know, the huge companies. And uh, particularly, I would say, among liberals, New Democrats, uh, sort of the progressive side, um, believes that that was a bad mistake, that um, what happened after that was that um, executives rewarded themselves with compensation, that none of it trickled down to the actual people, the, you know, the, the victims of, of that huge economic catastrophe. So you can see inside government, and I actually probably think this is coming from Christopher Freeland, who before politics wrote a lot about income inequality and um, and was a financial reporter during the financial crisis. I think that uh, what you're seeing here is we are not going to repeat the lessons of 2008. And you will remember, too, more recent memory, um, GM pulled out of, out of Oshawa after the big bailouts of 2008, too, and there's a lot of bad blood uh, circulating in Canada about that decision that, you know, uh, 
just a little over a decade ago, the governments were rushing to the rescue of all these large companies, and there is a sense that, that the people who work for those companies did not see the benefits of that. So this, this crisis, they're not going to repeat those errors. Meanwhile, it appears as though the government is saying to frontline workers who are delivering benefits to Canadians, if you see evidence or even if you suspect some type of fraud or cheating the system or going through loopholes, don't worry about that right now. Just get the money out the door to Canadian workers, right? Yep. Uh, Again, uh, probably the same philosophy. Um, We've been hearing this since the beginning, and and what I was told by... um, you know, really early in this is this is why you saw the money going through um, being channeled through Revenue Canada, whose model is pay the money and then claw it back if it was a mistake, right? As opposed to the employment system, um, where you have to run through you know all of these hoops and stuff and and red tape to get your money. <clears throat> the definitely the working principle of this, and it's I, I take it it's been made clear to the government from workers from the beginning, is pay now, we'll get mistakes later. That uh that's how serious this is. You know uh definitely what you're seeing here um in, in all of this is is some people are going to call it ideological, some people will call it principled or political, whatever. You are seeing a tilt to the way the government is approaching this um, this particular rescue, that it is about workers, not individual, uh, workers and individuals, not companies. And also you saw the conditions attached yesterday to, to sustainability, that, um, that uh, there is a, a climate provision in in the bailout as well too so you saw trudeau last week i believe it was friday maybe saying that we're not just trying to build the same canada coming out of this we're trying to build a better one and you're seeing hints of it in these in especially the way they're approaching business all right meanwhile the prime minister is saying that governments will be held to account if the measures they take to reopen their economies backfire and lead to more outbreaks what does that mean exactly? How would the federal government hold others to account? I, 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 that leaped out at me as well, too, because I think what we have been seeing throughout this crisis is that the prime minister, unlike his father, um, has been very deferential to the provinces. Um, his father famously said that he would not have a Canada that was head waiter to the provinces, but you've seen whether it's on testing or whether it's on standards, on contact tracing, that, that this prime minister has been very, very deferential to the provinces because health is their primary concern and saying he's taking his lead from them. Um, I do not know exactly what enforcement measures he has Exactly. I, I do know that what what the, the federal government has is money, and would he withhold money from a province if it was getting out of control? I, uh, there are no signs of that yet, especially when, as we just talked about, we've got the money being pushed out the door of the federal government at the moment. Um, but but it was a sign that there's an an, an edge or maybe maybe uh, uh, some conditions uh, to. To how money goes out the door, and the provinces talk um, and the premiers talk to the prime minister every Thursday night. Generally, has become the habit. I am told that those are friendly conversations, extraordinarily friendly conversations, 
and that they're cooperating. So where this hint of tension is coming from, I'm not sure, but um, up to up to now, it's been remarkable cooperation between the provinces and the federal government. And this may be a sign that Ottawa is, is drawing some kind of line and saying, okay, we're going to be nice, but we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to be, in Pierre Trudeau's words, head waiter to the provinces forever. Yeah, and also, you're, if you get into trouble here, you're on your own. Don't don't blame us, right? Right, yeah. yeah. The, the, you know what is an interesting story in all of that is the rent subsidy. Um, what restaurant owners uh, were being told, I take it, a few weeks ago, was that the provinces were going to have to be the ones to help with rent subsidies for people. Um, a lot of people hit May 1st and couldn't pay their rent. And what you saw was the provinces saying to the federal government, we can't do it, you do it. So they did it. But I, I think uh, that's Ottawa saying, don't throw all your problems at our feet forever. Right. All right, let's talk for a moment about the Canada-U.S. border, the agreement uh, to keep the border closed is in effect for another week, roughly, and then it's over. So do you expect there will be some new agreement, or will the borders start to open up a little bit? Right now it's open only to essential crossings. Yeah, this is a really... Actually, the theme of this conversation today is is uh, where do we draw lines, <clears throat> and in this case, where do we draw borders? And Doug Ford was, uh, was in his own words, he said last Thursday night on the call with the provinces uh, and the prime minister saying, I was adamant, I don't want those borders open. And he said British Columbia and Quebec felt the same way too, which is where the major crossings are. You cannot have this conversation without looking at how differently Canada and the U.S. have been approaching this crisis. Donald Trump has been eager to get things reopened to the point of recklessness. We're hearing in stories from the states today that Anthony Fauci is worried about uh, about the, the, the level which uh, things are reopening there. So, and Canada has been much more cautious, Trudeau especially, much more cautious about the reopening. So, I think you're going to see a lot of people inside government and outside looking and comparing uh, at the way the U.S. and Canada have handled this. And I don't think, if you've got premiers as as uh, forceful as Doug Ford saying, I'm adamant that those borders don't reopen, I, I think we may be having some interesting conversations with the United States in the days ahead. Yeah, and it, it'll be fascinating to watch what kinds of decisions are made and what kinds of conversations happen between Canada and the United States, because as we know from trade agreements and negotiations, that uh, that those conversations are often very tricky. Yeah, I a couple of weeks ago, I, I did an interview with the uh, U.S. ambassador, and one of the things that she was telling me, and then they they got somebody else to call me and follow up with this too, is... What they've been doing in those negotiations with the U.S. about borders uh, during all of this is reminding the U.S., as they did during the trade talks, that you're pretty dependent on us, too. And there are a lot of Canadian companies and a lot of cross-border cooperation, a lot of Canadian companies supplying the U.S. with materials for pandemic relief. And right. I, I don't think they're afraid to use that. I think it's a velvet glove right now. Yeah. But there is... Uh, 
I, I do think that, that conversations are being had with the United States right now is, look, um, we have a BC pulp mill supplying material for your masks. We have Canadian health workers crossing the border. We have all kinds of, uh, we have a, a huge level of cooperation with the auto parts manufacturers in Canada and the United States to, to repurpose for ventilators. All of that stuff would be in peril if, uh, if, if we can't cooperate on this border matter. Yeah. So I, I, uh, they're complicated those discussions, but it, we are not just um, we are not just sitting there waiting for the United States to tell us what to do, which is a good thing. All right, Susan, great to have your insights on all these topics today. Thank you. Thank you. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Let me be clear: these are bridge loans, not bailouts. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues the burden of COVID-19 must be shared fairly. The Star writes, It will be difficult enough to maintain public trust, not to mention political support, as we recover. If there's evidence that those at the top are getting even richer while others suffer, there will be hell to pay. Any political leader who doesn't get that will deserve whatever blowback comes his way. At Policy Options, Stephen Lewis considers the pandemic and the politics of long-term care in Canada. Lewis writes, Sadly, it has taken hundreds of COVID-19 deaths for Canada's long-term residential care to earn another day or two in the spotlight. There will be inquiries, finger-pointing, and recommendations. The calamity is a policy failure that has exposed our values and priorities and placed too many at the mercy of the pathogen. Canada has a choice to make. Either limp along with a hybrid and often minimalist system or raise the bar to what the best of European countries have achieved. In the Montreal Gazette, the chairs of eight English school boards argue it's too soon to reopen schools. They write, In Quebec, announcements about schools and businesses reopening have raised public expectations to unreasonable levels. These near-daily announcements have left school administrators, teachers and support staff scrambling to assume the responsibility for their success. Staff are doing their utmost to comply with these extraordinary demands. However, the responsibility for establishing these conditions and the accountability for their consequences must rest squarely with the government. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. MPs will be back in another virtual session of the House of Commons. As the Special Committee on COVID-19 holds another session today, CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on what to watch for. Mark, as MPs start their question and answer session with the Prime Minister and government ministers at noon today, without a doubt one of the big focuses will be yesterday's big announcement of the new Large Employer Emergency Financing Facility, or LEAF, as it will no doubt become known. The Prime Minister says it's not a bailout, but rather bridge loans for companies with annual revenues of more than $300 million who need financing of more than $60 million to keep them afloat and maintain their workforce. The new program is open to all sectors, including Canada's beleaguered energy sector, airlines and the tourism industry. But you can expect the Conservatives to have questions as they say the program is lacking in key details, such as how much is being allotted to the program and the criteria and timelines for businesses to apply. They'll also take aim at the fact that the Prime Minister has said that the loans will be tied to companies meeting certain criteria, including carbon emission reductions and environmental sustainability. The Tories are accusing the government of politicizing the new fund. 
Now, from the other side of the political spectrum, we may see MPs from the Greens, NDP and Bloc press the government to commit to even more political criteria in the still-to-be-fleshed-out mega-program. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the media to update Canadians on the COVID-19 situation. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, May the 12th. Tune into CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.